Matthew chapter 10. Uh, This morning, as we begin, I I just want to tell you and and just talk about fear. Uh, This this passage we're going to look about look at is all about fear. And I think that if you could see your lives from a distance uh, and you could see your life over time, I think that most of us, if we could see it clearly, would realize that as a sculptor fashions stone, many times our lives are fashioned by the fears that we have. Pushing and chipping away uh, at corners and things and molding us and shaping us into the people that we are. It's our fears. It's the things that drive us. It's the, the, the things that we fear would happen uh, as we live and as we make decisions. And to talk about our fears is to talk about many things, right? Many of us have fears of just failing. Uh, we just hate the idea of failing. And so uh, that shapes us either to practice and to make sure we don't fail or to not try at all. Sometimes we fear poverty, and so it causes us to uh, be cautious with finances and, and work hard and maybe work two jobs and three jobs because we fear the idea of not having. Some of us just fear being wrong. It's the worst thing in the world to us that we would be wrong in a discussion, even a casual one, that we would have the wrong data, that we would come up with the wrong answer. Some of us fear uh, being labeled something. If I called some of you and I, I caught you in the hallway and I said, you're such a liberal. You'd clench your fists and you'd say, you want to fight in the hallway with the pastor? <laughs> I've known other people that fear being conservative. They see it as something that, oh, you mean stuffy and just Uh, Stuck with the old ways. Uh, You fear that. Most of us, to some degree or another, fear public opinion, people's approval. Uh, we, that shapes us. It shapes what we do. It, it shapes what we wear. It shapes what we'll talk about. It shapes what we will participate in. Uh, sometimes we're asked to do things from time to time, and we ask, you know, what will it entail? And say, oh, you'll just talk in front of a few people. Not going to do it. Because we fear. We fear public opinion. But many fears that drive us and shape us into the people uh, that we are today. As we look at fear, I, I want to tell you that we've just gone through in the book of Matthew, uh, a section where Jesus, if you recall, he, he, he started out talking about the masses and he showed them and told them that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And as he looked upon the crowds, he saw not annoying people, but he saw people that his heart broke for because they were like sheep without a shepherd. His heart ached for them. And so as he looked upon that harvest, he told these disciples, these 12, he said, harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers, laborers into the field. And now we look in chapter 10 that he is sending these 12 out. 
He's sending them out to work. He's sending them out to go and to do. And so the last section that we looked at, he said, there will be persecution. There will be persecution. And if you know that uh, as you walk down this road, there will be persecution inside of us. It, it wells up. It, it wells up in us the fear of, oh, no. Oh, no. What am I going to do? How's this going to work out? I don't know if I should do this. And we begin to be shaped by the fears that we have. This morning, I'd like to start reading for you uh, in chapter 10 of the book of Matthew, verse 26. Chapter 10, verse 26. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd love to read this for you. He said, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fail to the, fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. God, we ask your blessing on our time. We ask that you would help us to understand your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, we're a church. We're a church that believes the word of God. Um, and when I say that, I'm not saying that we always do. Uh, I'm not saying that we're obedient all the time. I'm not saying that we're always right. I'm saying that we seek to keep the Word of God before us because we know it's perfect, it's good, it's trustworthy, has what we need. And so we read it, we, uh, we study it, we, I'm going to share from it now. Um, I know that for some it's not um, the book that they care about, but for us it's everything. It's everything. So Jesus said, he, he starts out this section as he has talked to his disciples, he said, persecution will come, and immediately their fears well up within them, as it would me and you. If I tell you persecution is coming, you say, well, I don't like stuff like that. It's interesting, all these people from the south, uh, you know, they always have tornadoes and, and stuff like this. And, and people from California, what do, you, what do you think of tornadoes? It sounds awful, doesn't it? And you know what, what, what makes tornadoes worse than earthquakes? You know they're coming. <laughs> earthquakes, Fine. We could have one right now. Some of you are. 
I know the people who put these beams up, and I think they're safe for the most part, depending on the... Uh, anyways, uh, we, uh, we fear, especially if we know it's coming, if we know it's coming, uh, there's a sense of fear and we're like, oh, I don't know if I should go out. I don't know if I should continue on if I know that it is coming. Jesus understood this and he said to them, uh, and uh, it just say it this way. He says, do not fear persecutors. Don't fear persecutors. If you look at verse 26, he says, have no fear of them. Have no fear of them. And you say, well, why? Uh, look for this in scripture all the time. Uh, God addresses our fears over and over again. The Old Testament, New Testament, every book, all the time. There's, there's always these passages of fear. And there's always these answers of why you can be confident. And you say, well, Jesus says not to fear. Not to fear. And you say, well, why shouldn't I fear? Shouldn't I fear? And he explains it in verse 26. He says, For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. The point there is this. And the worst thing about going through persecution would be that it's not worth it. It's not worth it. We go through hard things all the time. I I, I would guess in a group like this that you've gone through many hard things this week. This week, I'm not talking about uh, when you were 12. I'm not. I'm not ta- I'm, this week, you've struggled with things, and the worst thing in the world, the biggest ripoff that I can imagine, is going through hard things, and at the end realizing they weren't worth it. This for nothing. I worked so hard, and it was for nothing. Jesus says, don't fear the persecutors for the simple reason that in the end, there will be vindication. In the end, the pressure that they put on you, the, the, the idea that they were trying to stop you from sharing the message of Jesus and his kingdom. In the end, you'll be vindicated, meaning this. Everyone will know who was right and who was wrong. Everyone will know. And as we consider this for us, what he's sharing is not that the persecution won't hurt, not that it won't be difficult, but in the end, you will be vindicated as right, as having uh, made a good investment in following after Jesus. So do not fear the persecutors because in the end it will be revealed that you were right in following after Jesus. In verse 27 he says this, What I tell you in the dark, say it in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the house housetops. What he's saying is because this is a right message, this is something that you can trust, this is something worth it, so do not fear, but rather go share it boldly. Go, go share it. It doesn't say arrogantly, by the way. It just talks about us sharing it uh, in, a, in a way, whispering. You, you know, um, the picture here is this, that Jesus speaking privately or instructing privately his disciples. And then from there, them going, proclaiming it, not privately, 
but publicly, but publicly. Um, it's interesting when someone shares with you a secret and, and it sounds like some, they tell you something privately and you go, oh, I don't know if I should share that. Why? Because I might look dumb. Because I might, it might be wrong. And Jesus says, I share, I share this with you privately. Go express it publicly. Why? Because I will reveal, I will reveal that this is true, that I am true. And so he says, uh, share this, what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. Get a microphone, get a microphone. Make sure people know. Do not fear the persecutors. In fact, he takes it one step further in verse 28. Uh, and, and you see these words of fear. It's a, it's a theme of fear. Do not fear persecutors. And then in verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. The, first he addresses whether someone would be right or wrong. Whether the message itself will be vindicated in the end. And now he talks to physical danger. Physical danger. And he says this, do not fear being killed. That's a big deal, isn't it? That's the biggest one, right? Uh, you know, what do you say? And, and it could be so bad that you might get killed and <laughs> there's nothing after that, right? Nothing that we care about, right? Once you've died, you're, you're done. And he says, even to the point of death, do not fear death. Why? And, and as, a, as a person with fears, I say, well, fearing death, you know, that, that seems like the, the grand one, the one that I should fear most. And he says, do, do not fear the one that can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul cannot kill the soul. He, he puts side by side that which is eternal and that which is temporary. We don't like to think about it, but our body is temporary. Some of us, our bodies are showing signs of its temporariness. <laughs> right? As you think about that, you go, yeah. Yeah, and, and and sometimes we say that that this life is the most important thing. If there's any danger, if there's any possibility of me uh, having any kind of inflict on my body, I won't do it. And Jesus says, "Don't even fear the ones who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul." Um, some of you uh, so. So he puts the body, that which is temporary, next to the soul, which is eternal. And you say, well, which is more important? And you just kind of do the math problem, right? Which is more important? Which is going to go on longer? The soul is more important than the body. Um, We fear all kinds of things not being able to do the math problem. And let me use this as an example. Some of you live in the wrong place. 
because you're you're deathly afraid of bugs, spiders, spiders. They're they're these little things. They're really small. They're super small, and you see them on the and, and you jump and you run and you hop up on things and you go in the other room and you call for reinforcements and backups, and, and you say and and it's a simple math problem. Who is bigger, the spider or you? Right? What is more important here? You or the, like who can be in charge? The, the sp- boom, game over. It's a simple thing. If you need to go run and get your shoes, it's a simple thing, right? This is what he is placing. He says, why are we concerned about body issues? Why are we concerned, even if the greatest of things would happen, that you would be killed? He says, do not fear. Do not fear. Those who can kill the body. That's the best, the biggest, the most extensive damage that they can do is kill your body. But they cannot kill your soul. Cannot. So do not fear. Do not fear even the killers. And then he moves on. He says, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Rather, fear the one that can destroy both soul and body in hell. As you hear the word hell, I I realize that um, we like to skip over that. We like to say, oh, you know, let's not talk about hell. That's bad for growing churches. Uh, The Lord's doing to grow the church we're just looking at the book here, what God has shared with us. Hell is a real place. Is a real place. It's meant for the destruction of life. The destruction of life. It's described in this passage or used in this passage as uh, that which eternally sucks the life and takes away that which is good for us. And he says, this is what you should fear. If you want to be shaped and molded by your fears, this is the one. This is the one. Fear the one who can take both the body and the soul forever being destroyed and placed in hell. He says, that's what you should fear. As we consider this, he he says... He wants to make this point that life is meant to be rich and and meaningful. And yet there's one who, because of our sins, is a punisher of sins. And he places people in eternal hell. For the, the taking of their life and the payment for their sins. And he says, this is what you should concern yourself with. What about your soul? What about the one who's in charge of both body and soul? And then he he wants to share with you the care of God. The care of God. He says, rather uh, fear him who can destroy, destroy both soul and body in hell. He goes on to describe, he says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? He he points to the marketplace and he he points to this near worthless bit of food. 
He, he points to the marketplace and he says, you can go down there and you can buy these two worthless birds and, and you know that they're only sold for a penny or, or very little money. And then he says this of his own care for us. And he says, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. He says, consider the sparrows, these two worthless little birds. And he says, these birds are, are worth nothing. They're, they're, they're insignificant in our world today. And he says, consider their lack of worth and their life. Not one of them passes away or dies apart from the knowledge or the, the plan of the Father. Think about that this morning. Think about that. You, you look at the place that we live. We have wildlife everywhere. And, and we see it. We see animals that we see as grand. And then we see others as insignificant. And Jesus points to the insignificant ones. And he says, your father even cares about them. He knows about their life. He plans even their lives. And then he flips back to talking about your life. He, he points all this and he, he wants to, for us to know that we're valuable. Not because of we're great. Not because of what we have done. But because of the Father's care for us. It shows that he values us. He goes on with another illustration, one that um, is appropriate to a guy like me. In verse 30, he says this, But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Did some research. People always say, people always say uh, uh, they're doing research. No, they're not. They're just Googling it. Okay? That's not research. Okay? It's just hanging out on the computer, wasting time. That the average number of hairs on someone's head is between 110 and 140,000. Thousand. Uh, that's the average. There was some uh, question of whether people like myself were averaged in there. Uh, whether that would bring the, the number up or down or whatever. Uh, it is interesting, depending on your hair color, you have uh, a different number there, a different number there. Okay, you can do some research on your own on that. I want to tell you that it's not just that he knows how many, and for some of us it's changing every day, and he still knows at any point in time, He's that intimate knowledge of us, but rather they're numbered. You think about that. You think about his knowledge of a person is not just generally. Yeah, I kind of know them. I kind of know about that. I kind of know where they are, they kinda, where they live. I kind of know some things about them. But he points to something very uh, unique to a person, he points to them in their particular situation and even what's changing in their life today. He points to that and he says, this is true of your father. That's how he knows you. 
He cares for you more than worthless birds. And he knows the hairs on your head, they're all numbered. And so in verse 31, he tells us this. There's a reason not to fear. He says, fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Many sparrows. He cares for the dumb birds that are worthless. You're worth much more than them. He cares for you. I want to stop. I want to stop and I want to underline, highlight, embolden. He cares for you. He cares for you. And and for us to hear that message this morning is important. It's important for you to know that He cares for you. And you say, some of us, we struggle with the whole self-esteem message. Because we go, oh, he cares for me. Then I'm important. Then I'm important. I don't think that's the point. The point, it's it's greater than that. It's that we're not important. And he still cares for us. He still cares for us. Are you the greatest? No. Do you sin? Yes. Yes. Do I sin? Yes, all the time. Are, are there things that I do wrong? Yes. Do I fail? Yes. There's all kinds of reasons why he should care less for me. But in his goodness and his kindness, he does not. He cares more. He cares more. And, and, and this is the basis. Put, put this all together. This is the basis for us not fearing you say, well, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's over the next hill. I have no clue what the tomorrow will bring. Aren't you afraid? I should be. There's plenty to fear. But knowing that God cares for me more than the dumb sparrows, that he knows me intimately, even the hairs on my head, and because I know that he cares for me, there's a confidence that I can face even persecution for life. He cares for you. Down to verse 32. He connects this, uh, this last point, really talking about this fear. He says, so maybe we should fear fearing the wrong thing. Fear, fearing the wrong thing. Verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This word acknowledging is an open declaration. It's not an inward commitment that nobody knows about. It's an open declaration. This is what I believe. This is who I am. You can say it this way. It, it would be as the disciples went out. I am a mouthpiece for Jesus. I'm a mouthpiece. I'm a follower of Christ. This is who I am. This is what I share is his message. This is who I am. I'm identified. I acknowledge that he is my Savior and my Lord. This is 
the idea of this open declaration, this acknowledgement. And he says, before men, before men, before um, people or the crowd or those around us. And he says, those who willingly do this, he also willingly acknowledges them before the Father who is in heaven. This pictures a time and a place in the future where Jesus stands before the Father on our behalf and acknowledges that He has paid the price for us. And then He says this, but this is what we are to fear, verse 33, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You see... um, our relationship with the Son, Jesus, before the Father matters. It's the thing we should fear most. Fear most. If we don't understand that we are followers of Jesus Christ, this is who we identify ourselves as. He brings up that there are eternal consequences, eternal consequences for denying Jesus Christ. We're not acknowledging Him as the one that you follow. This is what we should fear. This is what we should fear. This morning I just have three things for you uh, facing these issues of fear. First of all, consider your fears. Consider your fears. Ask yourself the question, what is it that I fear? What is it that's shaping me? Are there all kinds of things that don't matter? Am I fearing the wrong things? Am I fearing public opinion? Am I fearing for my health? Am I fearing for whatever? My reputation? What what am I fearing for? And how is that shaping me? The the second thing I want to share with you facing our issues of fear is do the math and consider the greatness of following Christ. Do the math. What is greater? What is greater? What is of greater worth? A temporary embarrassment now? A a dropping down of my reputation? A loss of friends and, and relationships? To following Jesus Christ forever. What is greater? And then lastly, make it your heart's cry. Make it the identification of your life. I am a follower of Christ. This is who I am. This is what I share with people. This is how I see myself. This is what I love. I will follow Christ. And God, I ask that you would take these moments that we are together And mark us with them. God, I ask that you would help us to see ourselves as we are in our fears. And our fears would be answered in the person of your son, Jesus. God, I pray if there are any here today that don't know you, that they would desire uh, to have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus, this morning. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name.